quick PSA for our listeners who are U.S. citizens. The 2020 election season is now upon us, and it is so important that you make your voice be heard. Please go to www.vote.org to find out all voting information you might need, and be sure to vote early. Again, that website is www.vote.org. Plan your vote and enjoy the show. Computer, initialize Holosuite. Holosuite Media. Let us see what the future holds. Welcome listeners to What the Future Holds, your Star Trek Discovery podcast here on Hollow Sweet Media. We are back with you once again to talk about new episodes of Discovery and helping me do that, as they always are, are two very good friends of mine, one of them I'm married to. But first of all, welcome, Mr. Christopher D. Littlefield. How are you, sir? Okay, I was just making sure we didn't get married and I didn't know about it. No, no, okay. sweetie, no. You're not into me. No. So. <laughs> well, not in that way, but not in that way, no. <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How are you? I have a really bad headache, but we'll pretend like I don't. Oh, that sucks. It happens sometimes with atmospheric pressure changes, which we have had recently. Cold front came through. It was below freezing last night. Nobody cares about this. Good grief. But you know what? I had a really cool experience today that I wanted to talk about real quick. Ooh, can, can I introduce our other host? Oh, first? yeah, that's right. There's the guy you're married to. <laughs> Forgot about him. Oh. <laughs> no, I didn't. Oh. Never. Ouch. Ouch. There's my wonderful husband, David Jackala. David, how are you? I'm fine. Let's hear Chris. Okay. <laughs> He has a story. Ready. Ready. Okay. We're ready. So I'm volunteering locally at the Board of Elections where I live here in Jersey City, right outside of Manhattan. I'm helping to cure problematic ballots. So that means that I have to send letters from the county back to people saying, hey, you're, you got to fix something, your signature or whatever. I was folding letters and writing addresses today with this woman who's 63 we were just chatting and chatting and chatting. And she's like, well, I watch a lot of sci-fi, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, my God, me too. And I love Star Trek. She was like, no way. I love Star Trek too. So we had this long conversation. I met another Trekkie while I was working at the election. It was so cool. Jeez, imagine people being into Star Trek, also being into politics. <laughs> oh, God, here we go. <laughs> no, we had cool. We had some great conversations, not just about Star Trek. Which oh, definitely sweet. happened, but other stuff too. Yeah, yeah. it was great. 63 years old, you know, and helping out with an election. She's seen a lot of things. Yeah. She has. She's it was been, awesome. She's been around. She she knows the score. She she has the experience and the skill and mm-hmm. all of those things. She said uh, she has never in her lifetime seen so much energy about voting. Go vote, y'all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I keep There's seeing still time. more and more stories about people voting for the first time in their lives people like in their 70s and 80s wow first time ever getting out to vote and then all those kids that just turned 18 like my niece yes Yes, like your niece yes she's so amazing yes dave and i have already submitted our ballots by mail yep Mm -hmm. the county clerk has mine he put his in the mail whereas i put mine in one of the county ballot boxes 
all the libraries have them. So I went and put mine in the box in person. It wasn't. Did you see how somebody put like Dropbox with an arrow, but they like posted it on a trash can somewhere? <laughs> I can't remember where that was. It was like maybe not the best idea to direct put it yeah, on the trash well, people, can. <laughs> people are dicks. <laughs> and I think that we all know that already. Right. Mm -hmm. There's proof every day. Unfortunately. All right, then, guys, we've had a new episode of Star Trek Discovery. We Far have. from home. Mm hmm. Episode two of season three. Are you ready to break this down? Let's do it. Right. That's that. That's that. It's going to be fun. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Engage. Okay. <laughs> Wrong series. I know. <laughs> Warp me. <laughs> we don't have a thing for Saru. You're already warped, he doesn't, Dave. He doesn't have a thing. Uh, I am warped. Yeah. You know, I, what, what's his command to go Saru, to warp? You um, know? What? He doesn't have a thing yet. Like, Pike had hit it. I don't know. I don't know either. Sarumi. I, <laughs> I really don't think that's... That doesn't work. So we get a recap of the end of season two again, but with slightly different viewpoints because talking about the rest of the crew instead of mostly Michael, which is fine because this episode focuses almost entirely on the crew of the discovery and they come screaming out of that wormhole and they have no control over well they're the ship. all unconscious in two ways they yeah. they have no yeah. control they are messed up because wormholes will mess you up y'all mm -hmm. we've talked about this and so everybody's kind of been stunned there's a lot of damage we can see a lot of just rubble on the floor there's a lot of unconsciousness saru comes to and he gets everybody back to their stations, and nobody has any control over anything, and critical systems are failing, and they is going to crash into a planet <laughs> that is nearby, which, uh, of course, all the pressure's on Detmer, and she's rerouting, trying to get some control, and finally manages to do that. She is stressed out. Everybody is stressed out. I mean, everybody has been through a lot. And everybody has left behind everything that they've ever known and loved, just like Michael did. And that is a lot. That's mm -hmm. a lot. It's all up to Detmer to get this ship under control and somehow get them down without dying. Brace. 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 <laughs> yeah, Brace. I like that that she and Oa were saying that at the same time. And when some of them were on the floor, their eyes were open, which threw me off. Yeah. Oh, you like, can be okay, stunned they and still have your dead? eyes open. <laughs> Of course they're not dead because you've seen the trailer for season three. What if it's, it's like lost and they all actually odd. did die and this is just oh, their afterlife? Interesting. No. Their afterlife would be much more interesting than If you've seen Lost, I see sorry. Planet. Smoke monster. So, oh yeah. I mean, if you haven't seen Lost, honestly, you've had plenty of time to do that. So, yeah. And I figured that out actually in the first episode because I right. used to work for an airline and I know what a cra what kind of crashes are survivable, which is almost none of them. <laughs> oh, God. Almost no plane crashes are survivable. So Before they, they definitely even all dead. crash into the planet, they go through an asteroid. Yeah, they hit an asteroid. And yeah. when Detmer regains control, uh, Saru asks her for suggestions. He knows she's the expert here and she says... Let's do a thermal roll and let the top shields take some of the force, some of the brunt of it. Mm -hmm. And so they do this lovely roll, 
and everything looks really spectacular, and yet you know they're going to crash. Yeah. And they're coming in for a landing, and they're looking for a place that's thick enough to crash where they won't end up in an icy lake or something like that, is my assumption. Then they fire out some beams to kind of break up the ice so that they're not getting scratched all to hell, but they're still getting scratched all to hell. And they crash. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, my pretty ship. I loved that scene. It's a fantastic scene, visually. Yeah. It would have been cool if it had gone sideways, like the pizza cutter and just put a big old slice <laughs> in the planet. <laughs> they shear off a continent. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, so nice. Detmer takes a pretty bad spill. Yeah, over she her tumbles console. and oh, re-injures her head. They have the same place as her implant. There are a lot of theories, of course, already going on about has her implant been damaged? Did Control get on the ship because of Arium and all of this stuff? And I'm just like, you guys, Arium's everything was deleted. Go right. back and watch the beginning of the episode in season two called The Red Angel. They were not taking any chances. Everything that was in Arium is gone, yeah. gone, gone. So it's not infiltrated her implant. It's not infiltrated the ship. Zora is going to eventually be the sphere data merging with the ship's computer, oh. from what I have gathered. Okay, interesting. That's my guess, because there's no other way that that could really evolve except from the sphere data. That makes sense. That is my guess as to what is going to happen as far as Zora. Because now everybody's like trying to tie things into Calypso, etc. Well, there's a little bit. We get the Vajrash yeah. reference for the first time. Yes. It's a sprinkling of an inkling. <laughs> a sprinkling. A sprinkling of an inkling. <laughs> I love that. I love it. <laughs> Detmer is a bit dazed. Well, more than a bit. She's like really dazed. Like she's got head trauma mm -hmm. for one thing. Right. And but not she's a concussion. Got, not a concussion. You can have head trauma without concussions. They don't necessarily go hand in hand. I think she's also experiencing relived trauma from her original injury. This is the second time that I watched it because I got to watch it uh, with the first episode for the for the virtual premiere. And the first time I watched it, I was like, they better not kill Detmer. I'm going to I'm going to ride if they kill Detmer because I'm falling in love with her more and more. And I also want her and Owo to fall in love. The second time I watched it, I went back to more of an emotional trauma type of situation. Mm -hmm. That's what I felt when I watched it the second time. We're going to watch everybody deal with this loss that they have in some way. We saw Michael a little bit last week. Mm -hmm. We saw Tilly a little bit this week. Mm-hmm. I, th I think a lot of that has to do with what de happened to Detmer, but I do not know. I really think that it's PTSD. Yeah. What is freaking her out. And I think she's trying to blame it on the injury. So when Dr. Pollard fixes her up and says, your brain scan came back clear, no concussion, you're okay to return to duty. Oh, excuse me, duty. Duty. Kayla just stands there for a minute and she goes, what? Like she can't believe that the injury isn't the source of her problem mm. because her, that problem is mental. It's not physical, it's mental and it's emotional. And how she didn't respond to the round of applause she got for saving everybody. Mm -hmm. Right. I 
like how when she's walking out of sick bay that Culber's coming in and he stops oh. and he looks at her. He immediately knows something is yeah. up. Yeah, I loved that. He's very intuitive. Very intuitive. Culber. Yes. Before she was sent to sick bay, everybody else was kind of like, she is not okay. Right. And I think that they were thinking, oh, it's it's the head injury. She needs to go to sick bay and everything will be fine. Mm-hmm. They've already lost people now in getting through the wormhole. I we know. We saw one dead person getting one Osnalis, right? Yep. For sure. That's heartbreaking. Going back to Culber and his recognizing that something was off with Detmer, he was just in a in an interview in GQ magazine, I believe. And I he know. was Yeah, it was such a good interview. He talked about how in his mind Culber is a doctor that is so good at taking care of other people, but he knows that he is at his best when he is also making time to take care of himself. And I thought that was really great because so many people, myself included, who spend time taking care of other people often neglect themselves and their well-being. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah, and that is a lesson that Saru has taught Tilly. Before we can care for others, we must learn to care for ourselves. That's right. Because that's what happened after she was trying to get some of the dark matter so she could make a workaround for the spore drive interface so that Stamets wouldn't have to be the navigator anymore. Ah, uh, yes. And she was alone while she was doing it, which was foolish, and she got hit bad in the head. Mm-hmm. Hmm, interesting. That's head right, before injuries. we met May, yeah. I believe. That is when May started to manifest was when she was in sick bay from, mm-hmm. from that injury. But it's true. You have to take care of yourself then you can take care of others. It's like being on an airplane. If the oxygen masks come down, you secure yours first and then you help other people mm-hmm. because you can't help other people if you're dead. You can't pour from an empty cup. Mm-hmm. I do love Saru's little speech about how he knows everyone is wanting to know what is out there, but their focus needs to be in here taking care of what's going on in the ship because everything's down. They don't even have internal communications. They've got nothing. Yeah. And they don't even know where the problem is. It's somewhere in the EPS grid. They don't even have internal sensors to look for the problem. But, of course, Reno can modify tricorders because she's a badass. And she really did something horrible to her back during that (laughs) trip through the wormhole. So she's in a lot of pain. And having had many back problems since birth, I feel that on a very personal level. So I'm like, yeah, Reno, you take care of that back, girl. I like how she (laughs) complains about her back injury all through the episode. Like Mm -hmm. from the very start. To close to the very end, you know, any scene, she's making some kind of reference or she's sitting down to relieve pressure off of it. Yeah, well, I know what that feels like. Yeah. It consumes your every waking thought. It is constant. It is unending. You wonder if you're ever going to ever move normally ever again. That's what it's like to have a back injury. It's horrible. That mm-hmm. sounds awful. It is so bad. It's some of the worst pain you can feel. I had bronchitis and I coughed so hard that I threw my back out a little bit and it was extremely painful. Now imagine that like all the time. All the time, yeah. Chronic pain. It's terrible. Chronic Mm -hmm. pain sucks, you guys. So they start breaking up into groups of two and going through the ship. Tilly is a bit of a wreck and rightly so. Mm -hmm. 
she knows she has to get stuff done and she, she needs to have her breakdown. She needs that just like everybody would. Everybody would need that emotional release, but there's no time for that. She's fighting it while she's doing her job. Yeah, she strikes me as the kind of person that throws herself into her work when she is stressed mm-hmm. as a distraction from the other things that she'll worry about. Yeah. That's like every Starfleet officer, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Which reminds me, of when they went two by two, it's like two by two dressed in suits of blue. <laughs> a firefly reference anyway oh you know (laughs) i was going to say that there were elements of this episode that reminded me of firefly several people have said that everybody's saying that like star trek has never had any kind of western theme in any of their episodes oh no yeah star trek was intended to be like a space western it's the wagon wagon train train in the stars yeah right (laughs) yeah the steampunk saloon totally totally star trek it works it just you know it had hints of firefly that that's not a critical observation oh no no no. i'm not saying that it's a critical observation it's just everybody's saying that well whereas i just saw star trek yeah firefly was not the first series to fuse the western and science fiction and there's an old 80s animated series called galaxy rangers oh right in which they had robot horses you know, they are basically like Texas Rangers that went around and fought science fiction type villains. Then, of course, there's also Silverhawks. The Thrilling Adventure Hour with Sparks Nevada and Marshall on Mars. No idea. <laughs> A bunch of improvisers, but they're actually doing sketch comedy based on old radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, ben Acker and Ben Blacker write it. Who plays Sparks again? Mark, Mark Evan, Evan Jackson. Jackson. Yeah, I couldn't remember his name. Mark Evan Jackson uh, plays Sparks, Nevada. And, and you've got Paul F. Tompkins yeah, doing Mark his, uh, his stuff. Mark Gagliardi's in everything. Yeah, he um, plays the March- Martian sidekick, kind of like a Tonto figure. Croach the Tracker. I love that they still get Joshua Molina to do the, the barkeep. Guy. Yeah. So yeah, it's been done before, the, the Western meets science fiction thing. And I think they yeah. fuse very well. Oh, yeah. They do. Because being out in space, colonizing a planet, that's very, you know, people heading west to colonize the rest of the United States and killing the native people along the way. Yeah, it's the well frontier, done. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The final yeah. frontier. It, I mean, it, it's just, it's written in. It's in the DNA. Exactly. And we'll get to that space saloon. Yes. Encountering those savage Klingons. Or is it Klingon savages? What? Oh, just the whole frontier thing. You're going into the frontier of space and you encounter oh, savages oh, oh, oh. and they would be the Klingons. Mm. I kind of see that correlation. Anyway. Sorry, I threw us off. Please continue. Yes, you really did. I we still haven't the left the ship. George O's got Leland on her boots. That was gross. Poor Jean. Jean, I know. Jean. Jean. I loved that Justice his name was Jean, Jean, though. Jean, you guys. Come on. And Jet Reno's really rude to him totally it's like a hostile work environment you don't have to clean up that mess because gene is doing it so a little appreciation would go a long way and why is he not not wearing like a hazmat suit or something because he's dealing with isn't that bio material still isn't that the remains of leland's body yep that's toxic stuff it was interesting that there was so much biological material i didn't expect that much meat yeah (laughs) After there were so many nanites inside of him, you know, mm-hmm. mm. 
Giorgio apparently just angry stomped yeah. all of that meat into a pulp. Had to make somebody had to make sure he was dead. <laughs> mm. Actually, she tap danced I don't... all over his corpse. I, she enjoyed every second of it, yeah. I'm sure. And she giggled these little giggles that she has now. Oh, I, I was a little it. annoyed by her in this episode, but it's still yeah. that mirror universe bleeding out. It's not good. A lot of the things that she's yeah. saying and doing, especially at the beginning. Right. But then there's also she's also an, an asset at the same time. Oh yeah, she's extremely capable. Her behavior can all be traced back to the fact that she's separated from Michael, doesn't know where she is, if she's alive, if she made it. All of her behavior in this episode stems from that. And what Saru said is exactly right. Like, she doesn't possess the self-awareness to be able to control something like that. I was yeah. like, oh. To be able to control her behavior. He absolutely nailed it. Because yeah. Saru is the best. Yeah, he He's... nails Tilly really well, too. That scene. He's such That's... a great captain, you guys. Yep. When he chooses her to go with him and everybody's in the room's like, I mean, even Tilly's like me, and Nan is her, like, her, <laughs> and then and then Nan's look up the look on Nan's face, and she looks at Tilly and goes. <laughs> I like that Nan doesn't really quite fit in yet. I like that yeah. a lot. She's still new to everybody, so I like that she seems a little bit still outsidery, and I and I appreciate mm -hmm. that. And she's also very perceptive because you notice her looking at Detmer too, and going, "Okay, something's going on with her, and I need to watch that." Yeah. Well, she was the yeah. one that picked up on Arium, too. So yeah. she's she's a very keen observer. I like that in she your is. security personnel, that it's not just the bravado or the toughness. It's that she's cunning and perceptive. Mm. I mean, she can yes. fight, too. But, yeah, she has that extra edge of being aware. Yeah. I like Nan a lot. Yeah. Me, too. And I, there's something about the dynamic between her and Giorgio that is delicious. Non ain't going to take her shit. <laughs> She's got to come back for everything. Giorgio just can't get the best of her. And she likes her. Giorgio likes her. Well, they've got this thing called a transtator that is the source of all of their problems, apparently, as far as communications. And it cannot be repaired. It has to be basically rebuilt. And they don't have enough of rubindium to do it. <laughs> Tilly's been scanning the surrounding area as best she can with her limited resources and sees all of these pockets of atmosphere floating in the air. And so they determine that they are not on Terralesium because Reno does say, I don't remember Terralesium being particularly icy. Tilly does say that there appears to be a settlement in one of these pockets. She's gotten life signs. They have this really joyous moment, which made me cry. Saru says, there is life. And she says, there is life. Yeah. And they have that moment, and then it's back to work. Because they take that small moment to realize that they've succeeded, and then it's right back to work. I really love Saru and Tilly's conversation as they're walking to this oh, colony. Man. This is one of my favorite scenes in, in all of Discovery so far, honestly. Mm-hmm. Mine too. When he said, I know, when Tilly was just like, I'm scared, whatever. and I'm talking because I'm scared. I know. Keep talking, Ensign. 
Oh my god! I was Cried like, again. yes, because remember in season two how I was talking about let Tilly be Tilly. Stop mm-hmm. telling her to shut up. Stop giving weird looks whenever she says something that you think is weird. Let her freaking be herself. And now we finally get that from the commanding officer. And I'm like, yes, do what you need to do. Express what mm-hmm. you need to express. It was so satisfying. It was, especially coming on the heels of Giorgio getting really impatient with her, badgering her, and then saying that she has the psychic dominance of a kitten. Right. And <laughs> and, just... and Saru shushed Tilly in that, in that moment, in the meeting, because it wasn't the time. And then mm-hmm. he, gave her, he gave her the safe space and the time when she could let it out. He shushed Tilly not because he didn't want her to say anything else, but because he needed to handle Giorgio. He is the commanding officer. Yeah. And what he says goes. And he was not going to let Giorgio or anyone else act like he was not the one in control. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I think it was the right thing to do as a commanding officer. She was being insubordinate. And she will, if you let her. Mm -hmm. He wasn't going to have it. And she backed down. And that was strike one. Yep. I also like that Saru says that Tilly makes a good first impression. A wonderful, wonderful first impression. And finally, there's one outfit in Star Trek Discovery that I could possibly cosplay, which is that winter clothing. (laughs) That Saru outfit, I want. It looked kind of crocheted, didn't it? No, it it was definitely not crocheted. Yeah, it just had this texture to it. Yeah. Like woven woolly type of thing. The Saru yeah. one with the cowl, and I want mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I just really enjoy the two of them walking to the settlement. They see somebody in the distance who's looking at them and then turns and walks away. And so it begins that they make their way to the settlement, and Tilly's noticing that there's, like, blast marks on all of the rigs, like someone wanted to shut this place down. They contemplate that they might be walking into a trap, but what choice do they have? Because right. they need Rubendium. Hopefully these people will help them get it. And they discover the wonder of the personal transporter. <laughs> they see this person disappear, and so they walk into the same place, and they reappear right in front of the saloon doors. The saloon doors are open. All the Thrilling Adventure Hour people will get that joke. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> yeah, their sliding doors speak. They have their own mm-hmm. little computer in them with a little bit of a personality. Yep. And the saloon uh, doors are in love with Crouch, the tracker. Yep. What did Crouch. you call it again Crouch. when the uh, when they gleep out, when they pop out? What did you say on the last episode? Bamf. Bamf. Okay. Bamf. Yeah. They bamf in. We see, I have trouble saying this word, Corridonites? Corridonites? Yeah. Is that the species? Yep. Okay, I missed that. Yeah, didn't they appear in Enterprise? You know, I, I wondered that too. So. I can't remember seeing them in Enterprise, but that doesn't mean that they weren't. They were at least mentioned. I know that. You got your bartender and you got people sitting at tables. Everybody's glowering. And Saru and Tilly are already like, okay, we're not welcome here. But again, have no choice. And then they get phasers pulled on them. Yeah, this is a very Western scene. Slow doors and everything. It's great. Saru is pretty just not affected. He's just kind of like, he's he's wary, but he's still friendly. 
greetings. <laughs> you know, he says greetings and he starts talking to them and he explains that their ship crashed and they're like, yeah, we know. <laughs> kind of like, it was hard to miss you guys. It was a big freaking ship that just crashed into our planet. We know. Yeah, but knowing that they're Starfleet. So the uh, Caridonites were in Enterprise. Shadows okay. of Pajem. <gasps> right. Which is such a great episode. And oh, apparently they traded with the Orions for centuries prior to 2025, which was referenced in the episode Demons. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Sorry to interrupt. No, that perfect. I'm, I appreciate you looking that up. It took me a while. I mean, I, I really felt like they were, but I just couldn't remember. Yeah, they have an Sometimes. Enterprise kind of look, right? The style of their face and everything. The barkeep is like, you don't know that they're Federation. They could have stolen the ship. And so Tilly starts spouting Starfleet regulations. <laughs> Cal finally introduces himself. He's the first one to just put his gun away. And the other people are kind of looking at him like, what are you doing, dude? I like that just he gonna... smiles. He's got that little glimmer of hope, you see, when he knows. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's one are. of the true believers. One I miss him. One of the true believers. They explain what they need. And, you know, they're just like, no, the other people have seen you crash too. They're going to come here looking for you. And we don't want no trouble in our place. That's another joke for all of the Thrilling Adventure Hour people out there. Tilly, very intuitively, realizing because she got no dilithium readings, just blurts out, we have dilithium. And everybody's suddenly very interested in helping them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because she noticed that earlier that there were ships, but no dilithium. And she couldn't quite figure that out. But there were ships, so that was a good thing. Yeah. You know, that's what she was trying to say when Giorgio got all nasty. Yeah. Because she wanted to find Michael right now, and God forbid anyone get in her way. You know, Giorgio. Yeah. Not in touch with her feelings. <laughs> or too in touch with her feelings. Yeah. No. No, it's, she doesn't understand her feelings. She's All not right. in touch with her feelings. She does not understand yeah. her feelings. Yeah, the protective so. mother hen kind of quality to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's confusing to her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they are. So Cal helps rebuild the transistor. Transstator. I keep wanting to say transistor. It's transstator. And his little things, they look like the little tools from the end of Picard. I know, right? Yeah. Oh. Like that that multi-tool thing. Yeah. Oh, they do. She's staring at it just enraptured. She's like, I've never seen Rubidium do that. And he just looks at her like, what is wrong with you? And he's like, this is programmable matter. What is programmable matter, you guys? What is it's, that? It's matter you can assign to whatever you need it to do. So it's That's like crazy. having, I guess it's like having a weird kind of material that you can assign it what properties. So it's almost like replicating, but in the moment. Mm. Right. Now, this is what I was wondering in the beginning of episode one, if that was similar to what we saw with the bed and all of yeah. that. Is that also programmable, programmable matter? matter? Yeah, it had a similar look to it. Was it a follow-up yeah. from that tech? Yeah. Or, was, or were those holographic? Basic yeah. neutral atoms that you can assign properties to form whatever you need, like carbon or iodine or whatever. And this, honestly, yeah. that concept to me is very Star Trek-like. I could see it potentially happening way, 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 mm-hmm. way down the road. Absolutely. I love how after that... Tilly's just like, ah, gotta keep my cover. 
And uh, after he says his programmable value, she's like, oh, yeah, I totally know that. Um, a test. That you was passed. a quiz for you. You passed. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> She has a couple moments like that where she's like, what? What? When they were talking about her name. Mm-hmm. My yeah. name lacks authority. What? What? I, what? I do like that. <laughs> As, yeah, they all yeah, kind of look at her like, why would you even say that? Suru introduces himself and then they say, he says, and this is Tilly. And they all just kind of look at her weird. Mm-hmm. I think it was the hair. I think uh, they were not used to seeing hair like hers. That is my guess in that regard. Suru's just like, yeah. But they're just like, wow, that hair. Because, wow, that wow, hair. Wow, that hair. It's impressive. It is impressive. I don't think people realize how much work hair like that takes. Better her than me. I'm glad mine is not that naturally curly. It's frustrating enough as it is right now <laughs> without having it be super curly. Because you can't brush that out. You have to let it dry naturally. Or you have to spend like an hour drying it with a diffuser, and it's just a pain in the ass. I bet it is glorious in the morning. Oh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> and by glorious, I mean like... It's probably a mess. Amazingly like, wow. It's probably like brave. Sleepy golden storm. Mm, <laughs> it's crazy. It looks like a hurricane happened. So they've got their translator fixed, but oh no, someone's gotten there. They were talking about Zara, this guy that's been taking advantage of them. He killed their previous courier and took the route himself and now just milks them dry for whatever he can get out of them. Yeah, and destroyed some of their equipment too. And they were going to let him go without them fulfilling their end of the bargain. I thought that was nice. Well, I think they were also worried for themselves because we saw the result of them helping somebody. They don't make it out in time, and then we see Zara come in with... It sounds like he's got... He's yeah, got spurs on. Like he's got spurs on. I know. It's like, what do you need spurs for? But I mean, it just sounds like it. I didn't actually ever see yeah. spurs. Hmm. He just I, sounded jangly. Was... Yeah. Am I the only one that thought that he was a little bit Marlon Brando in his voice when he first started talking? I didn't Hi. see that. You guys. Like Island of Dr. Moreau type of Marlon oh. Brando or something. Hey. It reminded me of somebody, but I couldn't quite place it. Probably God. Dennis Hopper. I just kept thinking Marlon Brando. Yeah. I just kept thinking he looks familiar, and then I looked him up, and he was in Hell on Wheels. So, Oh. Yeah. Western. In fact, there's a lot of Hell on Wheels people in Discovery. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering and, if it's and, a casting agent. <laughs> If Common shows up, I'm going to lose my mind. That would oh, be great. <laughs> just be like, okay, yeah. let's just get all the people. Because Cole Meany was Cole in Meany. it as well. Yeah. yeah. So lots of really good actors in that show. Definitely. Zara, your typical dickhead <laughs> and, and a sexual harasser. Oh, yeah. my God. He's like the sweetheart thing over and over. There's a little bit of fat shaming going on when he's like, you look, you know, I don't remember what it is, but it's like definitely yeah. an implied you fat look like joke. Like you can handle yourself. Yes, and she's like, mm-hmm. "Oh, this." She's heard mm-hmm. stuff like that before. Saru's trying to cover for everyone and saying, "No, we forced them to do this," and you know, we gave him no choice. And once he sees the translator, he's like, "Hmm, you guys actually don't have any communications, so nobody else knows you're here. You're obviously have no idea." how most of this stuff around you works. So she got to be time travelers. I mean, he came to that conclusion really That's quickly. That's twice now. 
there were the temporal wars, so mm-hmm. everybody already knows about time travelers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like everybody just thing. Thing. arrives to that conclusion. It's like, oh, you have outdated equipment, and there was all this quantum energy surrounding you. You guys are time gamma travelers. rays. There's no more. Yeah. The Vulcan High Command has determined that <laughs> that time travel is not possible. I'm kind of hoping this is a running gag. And mm. everybody they encounter goes, oh, you're time travelers. <laughs> Just because well, it's it's something that would be common to them, I guess, or at least in recent past. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that I think Crewman Daniels is going to be referenced in some way. I would love that. Me too. Yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> I really liked Crewman Daniels. It is nice they're tying to Enterprise as, as mm-hmm. much as they are. We love that. Yeah. <laughs> Especially because a lot of people are watching it right now because of quarantine. It has gotten this whole new level of popularity that it never had before because people just, they didn't care. They didn't have time to waste on something that, you know, they'd heard was just not good Trek. And then they're discovering it and realizing, oh, no, this deserves to be here as much as everything else. Oh, yeah. And I love that. When I did my rewatch a few years ago, I just really gained a brand new appreciation and love for that show and it will always be very special to me so i'm very excited whenever anyone references it coming off the heels of ds9 and voyager i find enterprise to be a much calmer introspective trek Mm. and i think that that's what kind of threw people off a little bit in some ways well yeah until they got to season three (laughs) sure sure season three had some introspection but definitely wasn't calm right yeah yeah and then four was very different too four was when they really had found their footing and such a good season didn't even get to continue it and people have their pat statements about why that happened whoa well the fans just didn't like it that's not true the show had many fans otherwise it wouldn't have gotten to a season four it was more a problem of the fact that it was on upn well, and also we had just come off of three huge hit series, Star Trek series in a row, overlapping, and Enterprise was like the door shutting on the franchise for a while. You know, it just happened to be in that in that period of time. And that yeah. that doesn't mean it's any less, but the door was shutting on the franchise as Enterprise was airing too for a while. If producers had been willing to take more risks, if the production company had supported it more, if they hadn't preempted it with 50 million sporting events in a lot of markets, that show would have gone beyond season four. I Mm. firmly believe that. But enough about Enterprise, even though I'm loving the references. How lame is his gun? You have to, like, have it on somebody for a minute before they die. No, it's not lame. It's torture. He enjoys torturing people. It's not going to help you in a gunfight, though. I bet yeah, there are settings. Most, uh, there probably. are definitely settings because Giorgio, we find out That's right. later when Giorgio yeah. shows up. A lot of people were just like, well, why did Giorgio want to talk to Linus about his, can't remember what his word she used. His ocular or something. Ocular his, uh, spectrum. No, it was, How far you can see. Yeah. Or something like that. <laughs> Everybody's just like, why would he want, she want to talk to him about that? And I'm like, are you kidding me? They don't have sensors. And she's trying to scout the place out. Of course she's going to have Linus look out there and tell her what he sees. Yeah, he, she just had him look out the window, basically, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where are they going? Yeah. Well, what do you see within range? She knew what she was walking into. She knew how to get caught. She knew everything that she was doing. 
And she used Linus's vision to do that. And, you know, also played by David Benjamin Tomlinson, as mm-hmm. Cosmo was last week. Yep. Yep. I like to point that out all the time because I don't know why people aren't yep. talking about that more. Yeah, very different know. body language. He's very good because I had I not seen the name in the credits both times, I would never have imagined it was the same actor. Sir is a badass in this because Zara's like, oh, yeah, you're going to take me to your ship. And he's like, no, I'm not. And Zara's just like, yes, you are. Or, you know, people will suffer, whatever. And he's like, no, we can come to an arrangement here. And Zara finally just gives in. And they haggle over how much dilithium they're going to get, etc. This, is, of course, is after Cal gets a really horrible death. Yeah. Uh, that made me so sad. Mm-hmm. It, was, I, it was torture. Yeah. He's a new Starfleet recruit right there. Mm-hmm. He's got it. And well, he did ruminate at, that maybe he was cut out to be Starfleet, right. you know? Yeah. Connected with Tilly so personally. He'd already lost his whole family mm-hmm. because of Zara. <sighs> but, you know, he was already a believer, and the other guy was much more skeptical. Mm-hmm. Well, I forgot his name. Osir, ever- I believe. Get the impression that Zara's putting on more of a like a brave face than he actually has, because Giorgio calls that out later, and I was sensing that beforehand. Is that I don't think he was as tough as he was putting on. Oh, of course he's ever. not. He's he's small potatoes. Yeah, like a lot of bullies that mm-hmm. they're not as tough as they present themselves. And if he was really that tough, he wouldn't need henchmen, would he? But he's holding all the cards. Yeah. And or at least things I, he does. I, I love that Saru says, you know, we will not permit this tyranny to stand. And Zara says, and yet here it stands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like, yeah, and the big words he uses, too, just appear more impressive. Oh, nadir? Which, uh-huh. yeah. What was yeah, the he nadir uses thing? the word nadir. Mm-hmm. Nadir, yeah. Yeah, which uh, Giorgio calls out. <laughs> yeah. He's like, just because you use big words, that doesn't mean you're smart. It means you have a thesaurus. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Giorgio gets herself caught. She gets brought in. I was expecting that, actually, this entire time. That was yeah. obviously the plan. And I don't know if Saru was expecting that as well. He probably was. He's not <laughs> a dummy. Especially telling her to stay put and help with things. He right. knew she's never going to help. I don't know. I don't think he did expect her to show up but you know that she did was kind of a nice reprieve i suppose well she's an asset they needed her too i think that once they were caught by zara i think he expected her to show up i see so he didn't seem surprised at all right (laughs) not surprised that she disobeyed his orders Mm -hmm. probably glad that she disobeyed his orders (laughs) at that point because she almost single-handedly takes down that entire group of people. And I like how Saru protects Tilly. It's like, get mm-hmm. behind the bar. Because yep. we know you're not meant for combat. You were meant for other things. So <laughs> go like hide that. and we'll take care of this. And he has his little spikes he can shoot. Yep. I liked that Giorgio also was already scheming with the other guy with the eyes. Mm-hmm. And saying he's going to get you killed. In fact, she was just saying, I'm going to kill you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love how she says, this is the part where you're supposed to ask why. Mm-hmm. Why? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you guys are on the clock and there's other ships coming because they noticed Discovery too. Mm-hmm. And these guys are tougher than you are. I'm really glad that they brought her along. 
for this ride, yes. for this part, until, you know, I don't believe she's going to stay the entire season, but I, I'm i glad that she's here for now. Though she's a pain in the ass, Michelle Yeoh fighting people is always welcome. It's always oh, welcome. Yeah. Oh my God. Her <laughs> well, she does this moves. one really Holy great crap. move that where she does a leg kick. hook around somebody's yes. neck. Embrace and then drops into the ground, yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And then she like does this weird sidekick thing where she kicks like the gun or something. I don't know yeah. what it is. Mm-hmm. She's she's a beast. She mm-hmm. is a beast. She always has been. Zara thinks he's going to he's going to torture her to death. <laughs> just I started laughing at that point because I'm just like, oh honey, oh honey. <laughs> to some you people, this is torture. Know. To you some do people, not it's know this yeah, she says, what you call pain, I call foreplay. And then yeah. she just starts. Yeah, I'm just wailing. I'm sure she spent her fair share of time in an agonizer booth. Oh, yeah. At mm. some point for a little bit You don't of time. get to be emperor by being on, you know, yeah. by not pissing <laughs> some people off. Right. So, Like Tilly gets a shot in, too, with the glass bottle. She busts it over his head, you know, because Zara says, you, you know, shoot these guys or... Yeah, I'm going to destroy all of you and your children will be gasping for air. And they put their guns down and he's just gasping and she takes the ball, breaks it over his head and goes, sorry, sweetheart. Yeah. Also very classic Western bar fight, smashing yeah. the beer bottle over the head. Oh, yeah. It's hard to do that, actually. It is hard yeah, to smash bottles a bottle are over very, someone's head. Um, tough. Well, yeah. it's one of those like it's made out of like sugar water. Yeah. You know, prop, yeah. Yeah, the prop sh- glass. Sugar thing. glass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever tried to break a bottle over someone's head. Many times. It's really. <laughs> <laughs> or even I to break a that. bottle. I can believe a that. A lot of times you. it'll just glance no, off can. like a blunt object. Bottles are hard to break. Yeah. They're, they're made tough for a reason. They don't want them to smash because mm-hmm. then there'll be accidents all the time and lawsuits and whatever. Saru apologizes that they caused all that trouble in their place. And that they do what you will. Sorry, you guys. Sorry, bye. Thrilling adventure hour. Yeah, Sparks, Nevada. Starfleet again, trying to fix everything oh. and screwing everything up. Yeah. God, now the Sparks, Nevada theme song is in my head. No idea. But anyway, it's great. Seriously, go find the Thrilling Adventure Hour on... Podcast. The podcast is still out there. It's amazing. When there's varmints need a catch-in, and young'uns need a saving. on my rocket horse I race across the stars. Rocket horse? For horns? I'm by the boars uh-huh. of my astro spurs to fight the outlaw wrongs on Mars. Yes, he writes the outlaw wrongs on Mars. Sorry. Anyway. <laughs> well done. Thank you, everybody, for yeah. joining us. That... <laughs> That was great. Yeah. It, it, yes, he does have a rocket horse. <laughs> oh, I thought you said uh, whores. Rocket no, horse. Rocket horse. Rocket horse. <laughs> okay. Saru says it is not our job to interfere in how you want to deal with this guy. You Anymore. do with him what you want. Mm-hmm. So funny because Osir is looking like he's going to kill him and then he goes, you're free to go. And it's dark now. Parasitic yep. ice. We'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. Okay. So. He's just like, I can't go out there. I'll die. He's like, well, you were willing to send Tilly out in that. Mm-hmm. He's wounded. He's got, you know, Saru's little spikies all in his, his arm. Osir says, can I give him your pack to Tilly? And she takes off her pack and hangs it around his neck. And he says, if I see you reaching for it, I'll shoot you in the back. And so he gets up and he stumbles out and he spits on the ground and he goes out oh, into yeah. the night. Oh, and Giorgio gets a line too. Mm-hmm. 
If you come back, I'll find you and rip your throat out. Yeah. If you're feeling punitive towards the settlement. (laughs) I loved the spit. Oh, Mm -hmm. that was great. Yeah. I want to know if that was written in, if it was a direction, or if the actor was just like, I'm going to spit now. He's been in a Western before, so maybe it was a combination of both. I don't know. Yeah. It was all very High Plains justice. Tilly and Saru promise that they'll get enough dilithium to power all their ships, fix their machines, and have some to trade as well. But let's go back and talk about what's going on at Discovery all, oh, all yeah. during this time as yeah. well. The B-plot. Can we talk, can we the... talk about Culver and Stamets? Of course yes, we let's can. let's talk about Culver and Stamets. Can we talk about because... when Culver wakes Stamets up in the sick bay? I love this edit so much. The way I that know. The scene is oh, filmed. this was so good. Where he looked so alone. Mm-hmm. He looked like he was just completely alone. Yeah. And then you see Culber slowly walk up and put a hypo spray to his neck, and then the camera moves up again, and it's a crazy Bustling. sick bait. I'm like, yeah. wow. Just that was beautiful. Mm. Hugh tells Paul, "Hey, um, we need your bio bed. That's why I woke you up." No, you feel terrible, and you're yeah. almost you almost died, but. You got to get out. <laughs> There's people worse than you. Yeah. Worse than me? Yeah, worse than you. Of course, Stamets is doing that whole, oh, I got to get to work because, you know, they crash landed and the systems are out. And he's like, oh, I got to go fix things. And he's like, no, no, you're not doing that. Stamets is like overfunctioning. He's an overfunctioning mm-hmm. individual. I get it. Yep. I do the same thing. He doesn't take care of himself. Got to go and fix stuff. Got to go and keep busy and fix stuff. Now, I do that better now, but... <laughs> but he doesn't take care of himself. The theme of this whole discovery side of things is you have to take care of yourself before you can take care of others. He says he's going to get up and he's got work to do. And he says, okay, you can go back to work if you can spell... My partner brought me out of a coma, and all I got was this lousy T-shirt. Spell it. <laughs> and then brain. he does. <laughs> he's like, my brain is... He does later, but brain. at first he's like, he's my like, brain. Yeah, yeah scrambled like an scrambled egg. It's scrambled like an egg. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Brandy, when he does end up spelling it, when he, before he's in the bio-bed thing, or the mm-hmm. regenerator, were you, because I know you really well... Were you also thinking before Hugh even said that T-shirt has a hyphen, that T-shirt has a hyphen? I knew it. I knew mm-hmm. it. I knew it. I knew it. Yes. That was the first yes. thing that I thought. Of. I'm like, nope. And then Hugh said it. I was like, yes. Mm-hmm. Hugh's a grammar queen like me or a phonetics, whatever it is with the hyphen. <laughs> they yeah. teach you spelling in school, but there is, you can be a great speller and still be terrible at grammar. Yeah. Spelling is memory. Memorization. I would spell out the yeah. sentence. But I wouldn't forget the hyphen. His good spelling is not necessarily a sign of intelligence. He puts Stamets in the cellular regenerator and he says, you got to stay in here for at least one cycle before you can go do anything more if you want to get rid of that scar. Because he does have a pretty gnarly scar because of that big old piece of metal that went through his chest and just about did him in. It's a space bar. It's a space bar. Get in there. (laughs) Manny Petty, a facial. Space bar. Dermal <laughs> abrasions, waxing. <laughs> we broke space brandy. Bar. Space bar. <laughs> it's just so fun to say space bar. Space bar. Space bar. It's like you say it fast, somebody, people will go what? Well, it's like saying thank you in Russian, but getting it wrong. Space mm. bar. 
Isn't it spasiba? Spasiba. Spasiba, excuse me. Spasiba. I had the word right, but the pronunciation wrong. A language lesson in German. Mm. Not German. (laughs) Not German. Wow. (laughs) That'd be Dankeschön. Or Dankeschön. 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 (sighs) Darling. Uh, Gracias. I know that. Liebchen. Liebchen. That's darling. Liebchen. Liebchen. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Well. I love this moment between them before he starts up the cellular regenerator. Paul says, it's good to have you back. And he says, it's good to have you alive. And he kisses him before yes. he goes on his way. I love that. Yeah. I like that we're getting comedic moments between these two a lot in this episode. Mm-hmm. While Saru and Tilly are gone, Nan has been put in charge of the repairs. Well, she is a commander. Giorgio went off with... Linus after she and Nan had had their conversation back in the spore drive room things are getting cleaned up but also uh Stamus has decided that he's fine (laughs) of course he's he's stubborn he annoyed me in that moment oh yeah he he should know better yeah he should know better but I think that there's also a part of him that feels responsible that feels like his duty his duty to get things sorted reno's in there and she keeps sitting down in what looks like this <laughs> tool cabinet yeah but, it's so weird that has a chair in it yeah, it's <laughs> so weird that she's just like sitting down the whole time yeah they're having an argument about whether or not they're all right and she's just i am in some pain and she's like of course you are you had an eight inch piece of i can't remember what she said geranium anyway (laughs) in your chest they were arguing about who was going to do the repairs and she said you know he said well you should do it and she said no spine says no and (laughs) he says no she says we'll get nielsen and her team in there they can take care of it and he decides no i'm going to do it like a moron like a man Mm-hmm. Yeah, like right. A man. And so he climbs into a Jeffrey's tube. Oh my God, just the climb made me hurt. I yeah. have far too much empathy when it comes to pain. And he was communicating that pain very well. Especially pain that is familiar. Mm. You know, if it's something that you have no idea what it feels like, you're like, I, I can't relate. But, you know, something like having an injury and then mm. doing physical activity, you're like, okay, I think most of us know what that feels like. And he definitely did not do five treatments because that stuff no. opened up again. I don't think he yeah. even did one fully. No. Nan shows up looking for Giorgio <laughs> and asks Reno, Giorgio said she was coming up here to help. And all of us really I know. look at Nan and go, are you kidding me? Giorgio helping? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's because she had that big takedown with Leland with her. So she yeah. feels like they're all... You know, mm. she doesn't really know her that well. Yeah. But they did kick some ass together. So that brings people together. <laughs> and she just goes, damn it. She's really upset that she was that dumb. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she, she like rolls her eyes at herself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, oh, I can't believe I did that. Yeah. This is yeah. where I like, again, that she's a little bit of an outsider. She's not quite yeah. in, in the crew yet. Despite that she's been there since season two, episode one. Mm-hmm. Didn't she She'd come been in there and out for a months bit? and months? Oh no, that's right. She came on with Pike. Uh, she, she came, came in with Pike, Pike. and she stayed. Yeah. Yeah. She stayed. But so. remember that moment where they were in the ready room and she spoke up and she's like, 
Commander Nan. And they, were, they all looked at her like, who are you? <laughs> so Stamets is crawling through a Jeffrey's tube, which by pretty much every actor's account is hell on the knees. Oh, yeah. Because there's no padding in there whatsoever. They look as as uncomfortable as they actually are. It's like a grate or something, right? Like mm. It's not a grate, but it's just definitely like it in this particular Jeffrey's tube, the floor seemed smooth, but mm. it was also like metal. It was hard. Yeah. Right. And crawling on your knees through a Jeffrey's tube like that, regardless of whether I mean, even if it was carpeted, it would still be hell. You should get that mat that they use in wrestling for yeah. outside the ring. They should have got a the younger person to go up there. Well, yeah. <laughs> they would have if he had just waited for Nilsson, but he didn't do that, did he? Yeah. She's directing him and being snarky and supportive at the same time, which is really weird. Nilsson shows up, uh, says, I heard you guys needed some help here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Reno says, no, we are at the knee plus ultra of satisfaction say it with me knee plus ultra okay i don't understand that at all i don't, I don't either, either. <laughs> oh my god I was like, it's just funny what i don't know knee I'm... i don't get it i don't know well you know what let's look it up the perfect or most extreme example of its kind the ultimate so that is oh. ultimate satisfaction oh it, it sounds almost like orwellian newspeak Mm-hmm. Oh, it kind of does. Like double plus. Oh, N E. N E plus ultra. Yes. Now we all know. We oh, this is great. Time. But knee plus ultra may top them all when it comes to expressing in a sophisticated way that something is the peak of perfection. It is said mm. that the term's predecessor, non plus ultra, was inscribed on the pillars of Hercules at the Strait of Gibraltar. Wow, mm. so it's that old. The new Latin version, Ni Plus Ultra, meaning Go No More Beyond, found its way into English in the 1630s. Amazing. Holy crap. I love it. I'm obsessed with that now. Education. Nice. Jet's such a badass. She is. She's the best. She's so smart. Stamets is starting to have problems, and the (laughs) parasitic ice is covering the ship and starting to crush it. They're starting to have tremors and such you know the ship's rocking and rolling and And groaning and groaning and that is uh messing up stamets and he is bleeding again yeah and a lot uh, reno can see him on a a little monitor and he just kind of collapses and she she's like stamets stamets and then she says paul she uses his first name for the first time ever Hmm. meaning she was actually really concerned and she tells Nilsson to get Culber. And, of course, Nilsson has to go get Culber because internal communications are down. Hugh shows up, and he's not amused at all. No. So pissed off, <laughs> and rightly so. Not and only so, didn't he listen to his doctor, he didn't listen to his husband. So, yeah. yeah. That's like a double no. That's like mm-hmm. a triple. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, it's a triple. Yeah, it you're, is. You are correct. It is. That's and the so... knee plus ultra. Oh, yeah, I was yeah. about to say. Defying <laughs> somebody who's caring for you. <laughs> Did yeah. I do it right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I love it. We're going to work that in every chance we get. Knee <laughs> yeah. plus ultra. It sounds like a car. He just starts talking to Stamets in a calm voice. 
and saying, okay, we're going to get you through this so that when you get out, I can kill you. (laughs) (laughs) I love Culver so much. Oh, my God. He's so good. It's like he worked through his issues of coming back from the dead, and he seems to be very much in his own skin. Mm -hmm. I think of all the people after all this trauma and after going so far into the future, he knows who he is and what he needs to do. And it's mm-hmm. really great. He's like self-actualized. It's really great to see. I think yeah. it was it happened when he made the choice to stay. When he made yeah. that decision, that was him claiming his life back. Yep. He had to get to the point where he was making a decision. And yes, it was for Paul too. But that was his first new Hugh decision, you know. New Hugh. New Hugh. New Hugh. He had to figure that out for himself. He couldn't let anyone else influence that decision. And I think that's really why he backed away from Stamets is because he didn't know how to process all of this. Having Stamets around was actually confusing. It wasn't because he didn't care for him anymore. And it's like Spock said, you know, it's not that he doesn't know what to think about you, but what to think about himself. Exactly. I was thinking that too. Yeah, it's not because Paul was confusing only. It's because everything was. Mm -hmm. That talk with Admiral Cornwell didn't hurt either. She helped him a lot in a very short amount of time. A talk with Admiral Cornwell never hurts. (sighs) We miss you, Kat. I can't. We miss you. Stamets manages to fix this EPS conduit that is the source of all of their troubles and gets it working to get working again. And he, he turns it on and he's like, I think I, did I do it? Did I do <laughs> so it? Weird. He was like losing consciousness. You know, he was losing blood and consciousness. He was out of it. Rena was actually really excited. She said, yes, you did. Everybody's happy in that regard. For a little while there, the only people who were in the room were two non-straight people. Oh, yeah. Well, three, kind of, right? Well, when Hugh's in there, yeah, but I'm talking about when it was just Reno Um, and Stamets. Right. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Yeah. Saving the day. You're welcome. Mm -hmm. I'm just kidding. (laughs) So everything starts coming on. Everybody's really excited through until you get back to the ship they really got to get out of this ice or it's going to completely consume and crush them which and the effects uh, the art of it growing and mm-hmm. consuming the ship is gorgeous and terrifying. yeah it kind of forms like fractal shapes as yes. the ice grows mm-hmm. kind yeah. of kind of like when you see frost on a windshield mm-hmm. that those fractal shapes it's like they're they're flying fractals all around and they just needed to yeah. let it go. Mm-hmm. Let it go. Can't, <laughs> can't hold exactly. this go anymore. Let it go. Let it go. Walking through that door. I don't care oh what the people say. Cold never bothered me anyway. What is this? Um, <laughs> Did you hear that performance? And she was like, <laughs> in the middle of it. No. <laughs> it was so great. Uh, no, <laughs> did not. That's a tough song to sing. It is not easy. Mm. And it's it's a lot easier in a recording studio when you have several takes to get it right. Oh, so they're trying to lift off and Detmer is not doing so great. She's doing the best she can with her duties, but she is not with it mentally. And she's getting 
more freaked out because she can't get the ship out. And of course, everybody's, again, depending on her. She's trying everything she can, and she's really starting to fall apart. But right before she really loses it, a tractor beam hits the ship. Well, they get the signal of the yeah. ship yeah, they, coming, they, 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 they assume ship. it's an enemy ship. Well, they yeah. assume it's an enemy ship because Zara did say that there were other people who would have seen that ship crash. And mm, so yeah. he's not the only one who's looking for him. They assume it's an Did enemy this scene ship. remind you of the end of season one when we were getting the Enterprise and we were like, what's happening? What's happening? Something's happening. Something's coming. Oh, I, I absolutely believed that it was Michael. Yeah, but it reminded me of that scene. Yeah. When it was like, we're about to see something and it's going to be big. I saw the whole Michael rescuing them thing coming. I did not see the Enterprise coming at all in any way, shape mm. or form, period. That okay. was such a well-kept secret. I had no yes. inkling they were going to go there. Good on Jonathan Frakes for keeping that one under wraps. If They, mm, they probably didn't right. even tell him. <laughs> I'm probably like, not. Don't tell Frakes. He's a spoiler factory, <laughs> man. He just churns yeah. them out. The ship gets pulled out by the tractor beam. Finally, their shields are back online. Communications are back online. And uh, they're being hailed. And everybody's wondering what Saru is going to do. You know, weapons are armed, etc. Everything's ready to go. They all look to Saru. I don't think they did get hailed. Didn't Saru just open Saru a channel? Saru says to open a channel. No, go back and watch the episode because I Bryce says they're being hailed. Once all the systems, huh. once they're out of the ice and all the systems are functioning properly again, because they didn't have huh. full system capacity while they were trying to lift off. Once they had been lifted out of the ice. He says, communications restored and we're being hailed. Okay. okay. Go back and watch it. I've watched it three times. Yeah, because I saw it twice and I didn't hear that. Yeah, same. Eh. Bryce says they're being hailed. Oh, okay. And so... Bryce needs to speak up louder. I stand corrected. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) Why don't you guys believe me? Don't argue with Brandy Mm -mm. when she knows what she's talking about. I'm blaming Bryce for it. Speak (laughs) up, man. They're going to miss it. Yeah, I know, right? What, four times that we've seen Come that? Come on, you're, you're a Catholic officer. Yeah, I yeah. saw it the first time and the second time and the third mm. time. Well, you're more observant. Yes, unfortunately, I'm extremely observant, and sometimes it is not fun. It's kind of like when Michael asks Book, what's it like feeling everything? And he says, uncomfortable. And I'm just like, yes. Yeah. And isn't that the understatement of the year? Yeah, I get that. It's like fire weapons, open a channel, and answer the hail. What? So pregnant pause. He, I knew he was going to answer the hail because it's so. Yeah. He's going to always try diplomacy first. So did I almost say diplomacy? Diplomacy. (laughs) That's one way to do it. That sounds dirty. (laughs) (laughs) That's when all other options fail, and you just kind of have to go for it. (laughs) You just kind of have to offer sexual favors. It's diplomacy. Diplomacy. Or you can self-destruct the ship. <laughs> One or the other. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. Either, either. At first they have trouble connecting, but then they <laughs> connect, and guess who? It's Michael. With a new do. I love the box braids. Oh, my God. She looks so fabulous. Yep. I know. Oh, the look on Giorgio's face. She communicates uh-huh. in, it's almost micro expressions. It's not, it's not a big thing. But you know exactly what she's thinking in that moment. Yeah. 
which is even though she, she wouldn't admit just, it, she was basically it was just like, okay, I can stop freaking out. Yeah, she. I love that she gets little moments like that scattered throughout her story so far in season two. Also, like when when she sees the baby mm-hmm. for the first time, there are a lot of other little, little tiny moments like that. I was one of those people that noticed her making eyes at the baby the first time I watched the episode, and everybody's like, "What yeah, are you talking too. about?" I'm like, "Go back and watch oh, it." Yeah. I immediately saw it. it. So funny. Little faces at the baby. One of the best JoJo moments. Michael's ecstatic that she found them, and Saru's like, "You look." (laughs) She says, "I've been waiting for you for a year." So she's Mm -hmm. been in this time for a year. She has a new life. Well, she had to find a way to survive. She had nothing to go from. She had her little survival pack, and that was it. Luckily, book helped her. So that, mm-hmm. you know, she didn't starve or end up dead. Not that she would have. She's very determined. I'm sure we'll find she's out got, more about uh, that. Sahil. Yeah. I mean, there's a whole year yeah. now of her life that we don't know about. How are they going to tell this story now? I don't know. Like, are we going to go back? Are we getting flashbacks? Are we going to, like, fill in the blank? Like, how are they going to tell it? Are we going to stay here? From this point on i know y'all know because you've seen a couple more episodes i haven't how are we going forward with this story that's that's what i want to know uh you'll find out next week i yeah <laughs> next episode i have a feeling that episode three is going to be very different now that we've gotten our little book ends you know our two our exposition of what happened to michael what happened to the rest of the crew now I feel like they're going to throw us for a loop. It is interesting how we had a very Michael-centric episode, and then we had one about the rest of the Discovery crew. Mm-hmm. And so from now on, we should have the full complement. It's hard for the crew of Discovery, too, because to them, only a short time has passed, but Michael is now a year older and has had completely different experiences that they don't know anything about yeah. yet. She's not the same person. Yeah, she's going to be far more familiar with the world than they right, are. Right, right. So she'll have a leg up on them. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder, do you think maybe she and Book are together now and she has a baby? Would that have happened that quickly within a year? <laughs> maybe that's too much life, life yeah, change. Yeah, that's a little fast. <laughs> yeah. Knowing Michael, she's very career oriented. So I don't know if she'd want to have a family that quickly especially if she's looking for discovery i don't think she'd do that until she found discovery yeah she she's got other business to attend to yeah i don't see her settling down until that's taken care of she was just so glowing when they saw her Mm -hmm. on screen she was glowing well yeah she finally Mm -hmm. found them she didn't know if they were ever going to show up in her lifetime yeah Yeah. but she's or if they did some other time and because they could have ended up in a thousand years from now, like Sahil said. Yeah, that's... Mm-hmm. Or she said, actually. Yeah. And that was another moment that made me cry. So the moments that made me cry is when Tilly and Saru realize that their mission has been successful. I also shed a tear for Cal, so that was a cry point. Also, when Saru tells Tilly to keep talking and then tells her that she makes a wonderful first impression, it made her cry, too. Yeah, she turns to the side and kind of like wipes a, a little tear of happiness away. And yeah. then, of course, the end. So four cry points for Brandy in this episode. Is that our ranking system? Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> How many Brandy tears? 
Do you get this episode? It's not just how many cry points, but how intense the cry points are. And the Mm. cry points weren't as intense as the last episode, which is not a complaint in any way. Yep, no ugly Mm. crying. I didn't cry at all in this episode, but I really loved it. I cried everything. Can we talk about the floating rocks? Let's talk about the floating rocks. Because it's like they were playing No Man's Sky or something, or if it was it's Avatar. Like Avatar. Yes, totally. Yeah, it's a very unusual planet. I know Tilly was so excited to find out why it was doing that, but she didn't have the time yeah. to do that or the resources. Well, they were obviously because they didn't have the sensors. She did say that they had to, to have been or sensors. 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 Yep. She said that they had to have been man-made. Yeah. Well, I wonder if because they have the little artificial gravity type pockets everywhere, if it's involved with that somehow, like mm. those little pockets create little weird anomalies yeah. that keep those things. Sus- pockets of atmosphere. Right. Or they created yeah. them that way. Yeah, maybe. I just Because I think when she was talking about the hexagonal structures, she was talking like the settlements, huh. the colonies. No, she was talking about the pockets themselves. The way the way are constructed was not natural. They had to have been made, hmm. and inside one there was a settlement. Interesting, weird. Yeah. What and a weird. And you saw planet. some structures on some of them too. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's to keep them away from the ice. Probably. Hmm. Yeah. Did it make you think of the cloud minders for a moment too? Not really. It made me think of it. It just, it really just made me and Dave think about No Man's Sky, which is a video game of space exploration, and the game randomly generates wherever you're going as it happens so both dave and i could be playing at the same time and never run into each other in that game unless we choose yeah. to play oh, wow. you know some planets are really great and some planets are really weird and some planets will kill you really fast <laughs> kind of yeah. like it's like firestorms and there's one planet that had violent tornadoes that would appear every few minutes yeah but weird floaty bits definitely mm. Mm-hmm. Happens in No Man's yeah. Sky a lot. All right, guys. Any other things you want to discuss, or shall we move on to final thoughts? Yeah, my diplomacy. Uh, I, I wanted to. This could probably be considered my final thought, but I wanted to just talk about real quick, or just reference the moment that Nan and Giorgio had when Giorgio asked Nan why the hell she stayed, and Nan did it for Arium and said it was a life for a life. I really liked that a lot. That was a really nice sentiment. And I like that she did it to honor Arium, which, you know, she had to she had to send Arium to her death. I found that there are some people out there who didn't really understand that and thought that it was a weird place to reference Arium. I thought it was completely oh, natural. Wow. I thought it was beautiful because yeah. I didn't consider that when she stayed at the end of season two. I kind of did, when, I'm, but I didn't I'm glad know. that she explained it. It shows how some people cannot relate to that, of having somebody's basically blood on their on your hands. I mean, even if it's something that you necessarily have to do. If it's a fellow crew member and you're responsible for their death, how that can affect you. Yeah. She's not only responsible for her death, but she was. it was her responsibility to send her to her death, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was beautiful, and then I liked how Georgia said yep. it was a shitty decision, an unbelievably <laughs> shitty decision. Because yep. the whole, you know, Georgia gets it. Mm-hmm. You know, she gets it. Well, you can tell she by the, understands yeah. completely. You can tell by the look on her face. Yeah, she just can't. She cannot face that. She can't acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. She will not do it right now. Well, how Georgia 
claims that she didn't stay behind because eventually they'd have her running Section 31 and she doesn't like the diplomacy. That's where bureaucracy, know, bureaucracy is where fun goes to die. But you know she stayed specifically for Absolutely Michael. Absolutely did. Because mm-hmm. she loves Michael like mm-hmm. a daughter. She she needs to make sure she's okay. She doesn't have any delusions of this being her Michael. She's let go of that a long time ago. So she loves this Michael as she is. I think mm-hmm. that what she gets in this Michael is what she always wanted in her Michael. So I think she actually loves her even more. And that's why she's even more conflicted about it. Mm-hmm. Because she genuinely loves who this woman is. She's not the other Michael. She's a special good person who does what's right. And I think that that makes Giorgio melt. Mm-hmm. Right. In the way that confuses her very much. Yes, <laughs> yes. because she's, yes, she's spent so much of her life, again, looking for that next knife in her back that mm-hmm. she doesn't know how to let down her guard. She is incapable yeah. of it. She doesn't know how to love. No, she really doesn't. And that's kind of sad. Well, I think they're going to gradually soften down those rough edges. I hope not. As <laughs> I hope not. It's fun to see her, you know, being the snarky and the mischievous one of the group. But I would like to see her soften and do an alignment shift away from evil well, to at least neutral. Apparently she's in a uniform in the next episode, yeah. according mm-hmm. to the next week on whatever it looked like in the in the preview thing. Unless it was like this season on Discovery. I don't remember. No, the teaser was <laughs> definitely for the next episode. Oh, any other final thoughts? I was going to ask you, Chris, if you had any other final thoughts you wanted to share. Nah, I'm good. I enjoyed the episode and I'm ready to really get the season started. Cool. Dave. Do you think Zara will return? I Absolutely. don't know. Yeah. Absolutely. I hope not. I, I don't need to see any more of him. He's a foil for Giorgio. I, uh, everyone's I don't know. a foil I don't for, for Giorgio. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Giorgio is a foil for Giorgio. He's not even worthy competition. That's true. That's true. She's way out of his league. Yeah. They're just, yeah. in my opinion, there is no reason to have him back. Yeah, he's, he's a sub-boss. Mm-hmm. He's not yeah. that important. He's not even the Hammer Brothers, you guys. So. Okay. <laughs> Dave, your final thoughts. I wanted to talk about the big floaty rocks, and we did that. So uh, enjoyed the episode. I like how it had a very Western feel without being, you know, ripping off Firefly, because I think it was a very different mm. tone, uh, how it approached the uh, space Western. And I enjoyed it. It kind of had that quality where that era in, I guess, the 60s, where samurai movies and Westerns kept borrowing from each other. So he had stuff like... You know, Jimbo and a fistful of dollars and, you know, just basically the same setup, but in different settings. It's like taking that same concept of the strangers that walk into a town that's as this gangster running over them and doing some little gunslinging and saving the town and then riding off into the sunset again. Just basic, simple kung fu style western story interesting (laughs) that's really interesting when you especially considering that you have michelle yo in the mix kind of leading that kind of fighting yeah i really enjoyed that simple structure done in a star trek fashion there was one series that really combined those two elements of both martial arts and a western and that was kung fu because that was done during the whole transcontinental railroad era yeah looking for his brother 
Kane the Wanderer. Better series. Are you talking about Kung Fu The Legend Continues? No, that's a sequel. I'm talking about the original Kung Fu, which is David Carradine. Yep. Trying to find his brother. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And trying to look Chinese. Right. It's it's so racist. (laughs) Hey, that guy's not Chinese. Yeah. Yeah. Heaven. (laughs) That's what it should have been called, according to Margaret Cho stand up. That's true. Uh, That's true. I think supposedly it was supposed to be Bruce Lee in the lead Mm. role. And because of, you know, the racism of the era, they didn't want a Chinese person as the lead character. (laughs) That makes sense. How typical. Yeah. (laughs) And look at us still kind of struggle with that as having our lead actor is a black woman. And we're still seeing some, you know, knee jerk reactions to that. Yeah. It's like, why do you even care? My friend at the board of elections and I talked about that. The, she, she's, she was a black woman, the one that I was talking to. And we talked a lot Mm -hmm. about that too today. I don't understand it. Okay. So my final thoughts. Yeah. Yes. I was not sure that we were going to get to the Discovery crew this quickly in the season because they could have dragged out the whole Michael being alone thing for far longer. I'm so grateful that they didn't. <laughs> yeah, same here. Yeah. So grateful they weren't separated for more than an episode. So I loved all of the Saru moments and the Tilly moments and all of the moments. I loved them all. I love seeing Saru as this confident commanding officer. And he's really good at what he's doing. He has learned so much and grown so much, and he is just the perfect captain for this crew. I like that he's a delegator because he knows what his crew is capable of and so relies on them. Well, of course. Mm. But he's good at assigning mm-hmm. duties. And then when he realizes it's something that he can do, he'll go and do it himself, like inspecting the damage on yeah. the ship. Duties, please. And, duties. Yeah, duties and leaving somebody else you know the con reese got to have the con that was fun Uh yeah that was cool so i love him yay for him (laughs) he's so cute yeah and he was just walking towards the captain's chair when they changed scenes he's gonna sit down damn it didn't get to see reese in the chair didn't quite see him in the captain's chair but he's moving towards it yeah i really enjoyed this episode seeing all the characters interacting again and seeing the snark still between Reno and Stamets is brilliant. Seeing the new level of affection in the relationship between Stamets and Culver. All of the things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just, it felt good. There's a little theme running through that there's, they're taking care of each other. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Culver's taking care of Stamets. Saru's taking care of Tilly. Jean's taking care of Leland. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh, wow. <laughs> poor Jean. Poor Jean. And poor Leland. Jean needs to talk to personnel. Yeah. Yeah, They. Need, I think they need to check. He should have had a mask on. He should have had better PPE, mm, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We should know. Mm-hmm. That's a biohazard. It is, mm. but to be fair, you know, the replicators would have been offline, too, because everything was messed up. Mm. Oh, yeah. So if there weren't just masks in a box somewhere... So Gene is lower decks. Gene I is totally thought that. That moment reminded me of the trouble with Edward too. That was a that type of Star Trek humor in that moment. Yeah, like when he was uh, sucking Larkin. up the sucking up the tribbles with the giant triple sucker oh, yeah. later thing. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that looks like Robin's little biohazard sucker up vacuum thing from the Lego Batman games. <laughs> yes, definitely that. Well, that wraps up episode two. We've got 11 to go. Wow. Yeah. 
I guess the only thing left to do is to say, Chris, where can people find you on the interwebs and stuff? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at CD Littlefield, and you can follow my other shows. There are four questions at Four Questions Trek, and that's the number four, not spelled out, and that's an interview show. And we're taking a little hiatus to focus on disco right now. But you can also follow the Open Channel show, which is us reading your comments about every single new Star Trek episode, and that's at Open Channel Trek on Instagram and Twitter also. It's a lot of fun. Dave? You can follow me on Twitter at Dark Corner Cast. With Brandy, I host the Dark Corner Podcast over at darkcornerpodcast.com. It is October. It's the creepy time of year. We're both goths, so I just recently released our Halloween music special, which has a two-hour block of some of the creepiest music in my library that I've mixed (laughs) together. So it's 31 songs for your ears to help you celebrate this Halloween that for most people is a bit of a bust. There's no Halloween parties. There's no trick-or-treating. There's no going out to theaters to see horror movies. So yeah, a little two-hour chunk of some creepy tunes maybe will help. Uh, scratch that itch that's cool and the episode before that we uh, talked about things that scare us and uh, worked through some trauma (laughs) (laughs) including some um, experiences with places that may or may not have been haunted so if you want to hear some kind of personal ghost stories i've seen stuff you guys that's the previous episode Mm -hmm. i'm not surprised for me you can find me far too many places obviously on the Dark Corner Podcast with Dave, and also on darkcornerpodcast.com. You can find Headcanon, which is my solo podcast that has been sadly neglected lately because things. Because you're busy with other podcasts. Uh, yeah, but I, I really miss <laughs> just rambling on about the weird stuff in my brain. Right. Basically, I talk about all my other fandoms, because I do have other fandoms besides Star Trek, mm-hmm. and I will talk about them, and it's all a bunch of tangents and non sequiturs a lot of the time. I'm a crazy brain. So you can find that there too. I do two live shows because why not? Um, Both of them are on Saturdays right now. Infinite Trek. Oh my God. Yeah, I'm going to be on that one with you. No, I'm not going to be on that one with you. Well, you are going to be on the second one. So on the first one, it's Infinite Trek with my friend Aaron Harvey, which we do on Twitch on the Outpost 13 channel. We're covering Discovery as well. It's a very different conversation than every single one. I'm talking about Discovery so much, but every single conversation is a different conversation. Because you're talking to different people with different perspectives. It's very interesting in that regard to do that. Mm -hmm. So, And that is at 1 p.m. Mountain Time on Saturdays right now. You will hear that also as an audio podcast on the Trek Geeks Network the following Tuesday. The other Tuesday, 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 what? <laughs> and yep. Tuesday is Tuesday. Sure. Absolutely. Let's rebrand the unready room, which I usually do with my friend Dan Gunther, but he is going to be away. And while he is away, the Chris will play. So yes, you, <laughs> will. you are going to be hosting that with me. Yeah. For this next one, and that is on Saturdays at 7 p.m. Mountain. And but by the time that you that listen means... to this episode, listeners, happened. you'll have to catch the the replay on YouTube. Yes. 
So which one of you has to learn the name of every single Star Trek episode and what season they're in? What? <laughs> that's Dan's Because if you're going to replace it's... Dan... Oh, that's... Yeah. Dan will just, off the top yeah, of his just, head, there just is no, any episode title. There is no viable replacement for Dan Gunther. No. Yeah. Oh, no. There's no I way. I told Brandy, I'm just going to show up and look pretty and smile. There you go. <laughs> yeah. And that that is available still on the YouTube channel afterwards. It's on Dan's YouTube channel, which is Kurt Ratz Productions. And Kurt Ratz... Go watch is, it. Right now. Yeah, oh, go yeah. watch it right now. Mm -hmm. After you've finished yeah. listening to all the stuff on this podcast. And there's not just the Unready Room. He does Easter eggs and all kinds of mm -hmm. different things. He has great so, videos. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of shows mm -hmm. there. He is, he's an amazing human being. And then oh, I yeah. do some other shows here on Hollow Sweet Media, The Vedic Assembly with my friends Liam and Nick about Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and Boldly Go, a Strange New Worlds podcast, which is with my friend Suzanne. What, Dave? You're freaking out. I just want to say your most recent episode of Vedic Assembly is brilliant. You do the writer's room. You do a sequel to Armin Bashir, and it's a delight. I haven't listened to it yet, but I it's can't wait. It's really good. We had a great time. It's fantastic. It's a lot of fun. All I know is that somebody commented about an amazing Garrick entrance. Yes. Or something like that. You have to oh, listen. Yeah. Perhaps oh, yeah. it was Garrick a Liam makes idea. Yeah. You, mm -hmm. I, it, it was either Liam or it was Nick. It might have been Nick. Okay. I can't remember off the top of my head, even though I was the one who edited it. I was also the scribe, so you will hear me rustling paper as I'm flipping over pages Ooh. in my notebook to write all this stuff down. <laughs> so Nice. And self-sealing stem bolts. Yeah. They play a part yep. in this adventure. <laughs> a very important part. This sounds a lot of fun. The episode is called Dollarmite. Mm -hmm. No, we didn't accidentally misspell Dolomite. It is a Dollarmite. It's a yeah. very different thing. You'll have to listen to the episode to find out why. Oh, yeah. Juicy danglers. Juicy danglers. So yeah, and all of those podcasts you can find on the socials as well. Vedic Assembly on Twitter and Facebook and Boldly Go Pod on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and such. You yeah. are so lazy, Brandy. I know, right? I really should get it in gear, but I just don't feel like it. So... Yeah, do you have time to edit this one? What the sh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm editing this Beats one. Beats the crap out of you in a second. <laughs> yeah, I'm too tired. So thank mm. you, everyone, for joining us once again for What the Future Holds. And uh, we will see you in a week's time. Well, we won't see you. Why do I say see you? We're not going to see you. We're going to see each other. We'll, we'll see you with our voices. <laughs> <laughs> We'll see That's you. That's another skill that book has. You'll see us with it's very our, your ears. You will see us with your ears. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Why not? Mm -hmm. You'll taste colors. So we'll see Go you. vote. We'll talk. To, yes, vote. Go vote. And we'll talk to you next week for Please. episode three. Voto. Okay. Bye, y'all. Bye. This show is brought to you by Hollow Sweet Media. Computer, list other available Hollow Sweet Media programs. Loading Hollow Sweet Preview Program for 
The Expanse, a Star Trek Enterprise podcast. I did kind of like the idea that he had the armory to work in. That was like his main mm-hmm. his main workspace, I guess. I found that quite different and that excited me. I think they kind of moved away from that a little bit as the show went on. Yeah, as we went on. It definitely appeared more in the first season, I think, and maybe the second than it did the later ones. Did you ever become attached to Malcolm as a character? I wouldn't necessarily say attached, but I always I enjoyed mo- most of the, the times that he was on screen and interacting with the rest of the crew. For me, I was I was more attached to Trip, so... Yeah, yeah. I guess, I guess it makes sense that you and I are doing a podcast together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Loading Sweet preview program for There Are Four Questions, a Star Trek Spotlight podcast. That felt pretty cool. And that's when I, I really, really started connecting with Star Trek when I was actually here and on, on the level of creator as opposed to fan. So that was where I started getting, it was like, hey, I could do this. I remember writing, <laughs> I sent this letter to him. I wrote to um, Eric Stilwell before I moved to, to Los Angeles and asked about the, the rules for submitting the script and all that stuff. And then I had this idea, never heard back from him. Loading Sweet preview program for Ladies Trek Library, women with a passion for Star Trek books. One of the reasons I was excited to read this book was because it's called Uhura's Song. And we don't get a lot of books where Uhura is a main character. Um, and she was my favorite character from the original series. So I was excited to see a book about her. And I, and I like how, and I was thinking about the, uh, the Broadway play Cats because they kind of used cat names that that reminded me of the names in this book so and and this book was written in 85 so it could have been inspired by cats in that way computer deactivate hollow suite okay let's get this party started let's get this party started right 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 Right. Whenever. Are we doing are, do, are we doing CNC Music Factory now? Just... That's what I was doing. <laughs> okay, good. Let's get this party started right quickly. Right? Play that beat. Play that beat. Bang. Bang him. Play that beat. Play that beat. Bang him. <laughs> I listened okay, to that anyway. over and over and over and over and over again in middle school.